Section 11 of Pamela, or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melanie Schleter McElmont. Pamela, or Virtue Rewarded, by Samuel Richardson. Section 11. Mr. Williams, Mrs. Jukes, and I have been all three walking together in the garden, and she pulled out her key, and we walked a little in the pasture to look at the bull, an ugly, grim, surly creature that hurt the poor cookmaid, who has got pretty well again. Mr. Williams pointed at the sunflower, but I was forced to be very reserved to him, for the poor gentleman has no guard, no caution at all. We have just supped together, all three, and I cannot yet think that all must be right. Only I am resolved not to marry, if I can help it, and I will give no encouragement. I am resolved, at least, till I am with you. Mr. Williams said, before Mrs. Jukes, he would send a messenger with a letter to my father and mother. I think the man has no discretion in the world, but I desire you will send no answer till I have the pleasure and happiness, which I now hope for soon, of seeing you. He will, in sending my packet, send a most tedious parcel of stuff, of my oppressions, my distresses, my fears, and so I will send this with it. For Mrs. Jukes gives me leave to send a letter to my father, which looks well, and I am glad I can conclude, after all my sufferings, with my hopes to be soon with you which I know will give you comfort. And so I rest, begging the continuance of your prayers and blessings, your ever-dutiful daughter. My dear father and mother, I have so much time upon my hands that I must write on to employ myself. The Sunday evening where I left off, Mrs. Jukes asked me if I chose to be by myself, and I said yes with all my heart, if she pleased. Well, said she, after tonight you shall. I asked her for more paper, and she gave me a bottle of ink, eight sheets of paper, which she said was all her store, for now she would get me to write for her to our master, if she had occasion, and six pens, but the piece of sealing wax. This looks mighty well. She pressed me, when she came to bed, very much, to give encouragement to Mr. Williams, and said many things in his behalf and blame my shyness to him. I told her I was resolved to give no encouragement till I had talked to my father and mother. She said he fancied I thought of somebody else, or I could never be so insensible. I assured her, as I could do very safely, that there was not a man on earth I wished to have, and as to Mr. Williams, he might do better by far and I had proposed so much happiness in living with my poor father and mother that I could not think of any scheme of life with pleasure till I had tried that. I asked her for my money, and she said, It was above in her strong-box, but that I should have it to-morrow. All these things look well, as I said. Mr. Williams would go home this night, though late, because he would dispatch a messenger to you with the letter he had proposed from himself and my packet. But pray don't encourage him, as I said, for he is much too heady and precipitate 
as to this matter, in my way of thinking. Though, to be sure, he is a very good man, and I am much obliged to him. Monday morning. Alas a day! We have bad news from poor Mr. Williams. He has had a sad mischance, fallen among rogues in his way home last night, but by good chance has saved my papers. This is the account he gives of it to Mrs. Jukes. Good Mrs. Jukes, I have had a sore misfortune in going from you. When I had got as near the town as the dam, and was going to cross the wooden bridge, two fellows got hold of me, and swore bitterly they would kill me if I did not give them what I had. They rummaged my pockets, and took from me my snuff-box, my seal-ring, and half a guinea, and some silver and half-pence, also my handkerchief, and two or three letters I had in my pockets. By good fortune, the letter Mrs. Pamela gave me was in my bosom, and so that escaped, but they bruised my head and face, and cursing me for having no more money, tipped me into the dam, crying, Be there, parson, till to-morrow. My shins and knees were bruised much in the fall against one of the stumps, and I had like to have been suffocated in water and mud. To be sure, I shan't be able to stir out this day or two, for I am a frightful spectacle. My hat and wig I was forced to leave behind me, and go home a mile and a half without. But they were found the next morning, and brought me with my snuff-box, which the rogues must have dropped. My cassock is sadly torn, as is my band. To be sure I was much frightened, for a robbery in these parts has not been known many years. Diligent search is making after the rogues. My humble respects to good Mrs. Pamela. If she pities my misfortunes, I shall be the sooner well, and fit to wait on her and you. This did not hinder me in writing a letter, though with great pain as I do this. To be sure this good man can keep no secret." and sending it away by a man and horse this morning. I am, good Mrs. Jukes, your most obliged, humble servant. God be praised, it is no worse, and I find I have got no cold, though miserably wet from top to toe. My fright, I believe, prevented me from catching cold, for I was not rightly myself for some hours, and know not how I got home. I will write a letter of thanks this night, if I am able, to my kind patron, for his inestimable goodness to me. I wish I was unable to say all I hope, with regard to the better part of his bounty to me, incomparable Mrs. Pamela. The wicked brute fell a-laughing when she had read this letter, till her fat sides shook. Said she, I can but think how the poor parson looked, after parting with his pretty mistress in such high spirits, when he found himself at the bottom of the dam. And what a figure he must cut in his tattered band and cassock, and without a hat and wig when he got home! I warrant, added she, he was in such a sweet pickle. I said, I thought it was very barbarous to laugh at such a misfortune. But she replied, As he was safe! she laughed. Otherwise, she would have been sorry, and she was glad to see me so concerned for him. It looked promising, she said. I heeded not her reflections, but as I have been used to causes for mistrusts, I cannot help saying, 
that I don't like this thing, and their taking his letters most alarms me. How happy it was they missed my packet! I knew not what to think of it. But why should I let every accident break my peace? Yet it will do so while I stay here. Mrs. Jukes is mightily at me to go with her in the chariot to visit Mr. Williams. She is so officious to break on the affair between us that, being a cunning, artful woman, I know not what to make of it. I have refused her absolutely, urging that except I intended to encourage his suit, I ought not to do it, and she is gone without me. I have strange temptations to get away in her absence, for all these fine appearances. Tis sad to have nobody to advise with. I know not what to do, but, alas for me, I have no money, if I should, to buy anybody's civilities, or to pay for necessaries or lodgings. But I'll go into the garden, and resolve afterwards. I have been in the garden, and to the back door, and there I stood, my heart up at my mouth. I could not see I was watched, so this looks well. But if anything should go bad afterwards, I should never forgive myself for not taking this opportunity. Well, I will go down again, and see if all is clear, and how it looks out the back door in the pasture. To be sure, there is witchcraft in this house, and I believe Lucifer is bribed as well as all about me, and has got into the shape of that nasty, grim bull to watch me, for I have been again, and ventured to open the door, and went out without a bow-shot into the pasture, but there stood that horrid bull, staring me full in the face, with fiery saucer eyes, as I thought. So I got in again, for fear he should come at me. Nobody saw me, however. Do you think there are such things as witches and spirits? If there be, I believe, in my heart, Mrs. Jukes has got this bull of her side. But yet, what could I do without money or a friend? Oh, this wicked woman to trick me so! Everything, man, woman, and beast, is in a plot against your poor Pamela, I think. Then I know not one step of the way, nor how far to any house or cottage, and whether I could gain protection if I got to a house. And now the robbers are abroad, too. I may run into as great danger as I want to escape, nay, greater much, if these promising appearances hold. And sure, my master cannot be so black as that they should not. What can I do? I have a good mind to try for it once more, but then I may be pursued and taken, and it will be worse for me, and this wicked woman will beat me and take my shoes away and lock me up. But, after all, if my master should mean well, he can't be angry at my fears, if I should escape. And nobody can blame me, and I can more easily be induced, with you, when all my apprehensions are over, to consider his proposal of Mr. Williams than I could here. And he pretends, as you have read in his letter, he will leave me to my choice. Why, then, should I be afraid? I will go down again. I think. But yet my heart misgives me because of the difficulties before me in escaping, and being so poor and so friendless. Oh, good God, the preserver of the innocent, direct me what to do. Well, 
I have just now a sort of strange persuasion upon me that I ought to try to get way and leave the issue to Providence. So, once more, I'll see at least if the bull still be there. Alack a day, what a fate is this! I have not the courage to go, neither can I think to stay. But I must resolve. The gardener was in sight last time, so made me come up again. But I'll contrive to send him out of the way if I can. For if I never should have another opportunity, I could not forgive myself. Once more I'll venture. God, direct my footsteps, and make smooth my path and my way to safety. Well, here I am, come back again, frightened like a fool, out of all my purposes. Oh, how terrible everything appears to me! I had got twice as far again as I was before out the back door, and I'd looked and saw the bull, as I thought, between me and the door, and another bull coming towards me the other way. Well, thought I, here is double witchcraft, to be sure. Here is the spirit of my master in one bowl, and Mrs. Jukes in the other. And now I am gone, to be sure. Oh, help! cried I, like a fool, and ran back to the door, swift as if I flew. When I had got to the door in my hand, I ventured to look back, to see if these supposed bulls were coming, and I saw they were only two poor cows a grazing in distant places, that my fears had made all this rout about. But as everything is so frightful to me, I find I am not fit to think of my escape, for I shall be as much frightened at the first strange man I meet with, and I am persuaded that fear brings one into more dangers than the caution that goes along with it delivers one from. I then locked the door and put the key in my pocket it was in a sad quandary, but I was soon determined, for the maid Nan came in sight and asked if anything was the matter, that I was so often up and down stairs. God forgive me, but I had a sad lie at my tongue's end. Said I, though Mrs. Jukes is sometimes a little hard upon me, yet I know not where I am without her. I go up, and I come down to walk about in the garden, and, not having her, know scarcely what to do with myself. Aye, said the idiot, she has made good company, madam, no wonder you miss her. So, here I am again, and here likely to be, for I have no courage to help myself anywhere else. Oh, why are poor foolish maidens tried with such dangers, when they have such weak minds to grapple with them? I will, since it is so, hope the best. But yet I cannot but observe how grievously everything makes against me, for here are the robbers, though I fell not into their hands myself, yet they gave me as much terror, and had as great an effect upon my fears as if I had. And here is the bull. It has as effectually frightened me as if I had been hurt by it instead of the cook-maid. And so these join together as I may say, to make a very dastard of me. But my folly was the worst of all, because that deprived me of my money, for had I had that, I believe I should have ventured both the bull and the robbers. Monday afternoon. So Mrs. Jukes is returned from her visit. Well, said she, 
I would have you set your heart at rest, for Mr. Williams will do very well again. He is not half so bad as he fancied. Oh, these scholars, said she, they have not the hearts of mice. He has only a few scratches on his face, which, said she, I suppose he got by grappling among the gravel at the bottom of the dam, to try to find a hole in the ground to hide himself from the robbers. His shin and his knee are hardly to be seen to all anything. He says in his letter he was a frightful spectacle. He might be so, indeed, when he first came in a doors, but he looks well enough now, and only for a few groans now and then, when he thinks of his danger, I see nothing is the matter with him. So, Mrs. Pamela, said she, I would have you be very easy about it. I am glad of it, said I, for all your jokes, to Mrs. Jukes. Well, said she, he talks of nothing but you, and when I told him I would fain have persuaded you to come with me, the man was out of his wits with his gratitude to me, and so has laid open all his heart to me, and told me all that has passed, and was contriving between you two. This alarmed me prodigiously, and the rather, as I saw, by two or three instances, that his honest heart could keep nothing, believing every one as undesigning as himself. I said, but with a heavy heart, Ah, Mrs. Jukes, Mrs. Jukes, this might have done with me, had he had anything that he could have told you of, but you know well enough that had we been disposed, we had no opportunity for it from your watchful care and circumspection. No, said she, that's very true, Mrs. Pamela. Not so much as for that declaration that he owned before me, he had found opportunity for all my watchfulness to make you. Come, come, said she, no more of these shams with me. You have an excellent headpiece for your years, but maybe I am as cunning as you. However, said she, all is well now, because my watchments are now over, by my master's direction. How have you employed yourself in my absence? I was so troubled at what might have passed between Mr. Williams and her, that I could not hide it. And she said, Well, Mrs. Pamela, since all matters are likely to be so soon and so happily ended, let me advise you to be a little less concerned at his discoveries, and make me your confidant as he has done, and I shall think you have some favor for me, and reliance upon me, and perhaps you might not repent it. She was so earnest that I mistrusted she did this to pump me, and I knew how, now, to account for her kindness to Mr. Williams and her visit to him, which was only to get out of him what she could. Why, Mrs. Jukes, said I, is all this fishing about for something where there is nothing, if there be an end of your watchments, as you call them. Nothing, said she, but womanish curiosity, I'll assure you, for one is naturally led to find out matters where there is such privacy intended. Well, said I, pray let me know what he has said, and then I'll give you an answer to your curiosity. I don't care, said she, whether you do or not, for I have as much as I wanted from him and I despair of getting out of you anything you hadn't a mind should I know, my little cunning dear. Well, said I, let him have said what he would, I care not, 
for I am sure he can say no harm of me, and so let us change the talk. I was the easier, indeed, because, for all her pumps, she gave no hint of the key in the door, etc., which he had communicated to her. She would not have forborne giving me a touch of. And so we gave up one another, as despairing to gain our ends of each other. But I am sure he must have said more than he should. And I am the more apprehensive all is not right, because she has now been actually, these two hours, shut up a writing, though she pretended she had given me up all her stores of papers, etc., and that I should write for her. I begin to wish I had ventured everything and gone off, when I might. Oh, when will this state of doubt and uneasiness end? She has just been with me, and says, she shall send a messenger to Bedfordshire, and he shall carry a letter of thanks for me, if I will write it for my master's favor to me. Indeed, said I, I have no thanks to give, till I am with my father and mother. And besides, I sent a letter, as you know, but have had no answer to it. She said she thought that his letter to Mr. Williams was sufficient, and the least I could do was to thank him, if but in two lines. No need of it, said I, for I don't intend to have Mr. Williams. What then is that letter to me? Well, said she, I see thou art quite unfathomable. I don't like all this. Oh, my foolish fears of bulls and robbers! For now all my uneasiness begins to double upon me. Oh, what has this incautious man said? That, no doubt, is the subject of her long letter. I will close this day's writing with just saying that she is mighty silent and reserved to what she was, and says nothing but no or yes to what I ask. Something must be hatching, I doubt. I the rather think so, because I find she does not keep her word with me about lying by myself and my money, to both which points she returned suspicious answers, saying as to the one why, you are mighty earnest for your money, I shan't run away with it. And to the other, good lack, you need not be so willing, as I know of, to part with me for a bedfellow, till you are sure of one you like better. This cut me to the heart, and at the same time stopped my mouth. Tuesday, Wednesday. Mr. Williams has been here but we have had no opportunity to talk together. He seemed confounded at Mrs. Jukes' change of temper and reservedness after her kind visit and their freedom with one another, and much more at what I am going to tell you. He asked if I would take a turn in the garden with Mrs. Jukes and him. No, said she, I can't go. Said he, may not Mrs. Pamela take a walk? No, said she, I desire she won't. Why, Mrs. Jukes, said he, I'm afraid I have somehow disobliged you. Not at all, replied she, but I suppose you will soon be at liberty to walk together as much as you please, and I have sent a messenger for my last instructions about this and more weighty matters, and when they come I shall leave you to do as you both will, but till then... It is no matter how little you are together. This alarmed us both, and he seemed quite struck of a heap, 
and put on, as I thought, a self-accusing countenance. So I went behind her back, and held my two hands together, flat, with a bit of paper I had between them, and looked at him, and he seemed to take me as I intended, intimating the renewing of the correspondence by the tiles. I'd left them both together, and retired to my closet to write a letter for the tiles, but having no time for a copy, I will give you the substance only. I expostulated with him on his too great openness and easiness to fall into Mrs. Jukes' snares, told him my apprehensions of foul play, and gave briefly the reasons which moved me, begged to know what he had said, and intimated that I thought there was the highest reason to resume our prospect of the escape by the back door. I put this in the usual place in the evening, and now wait with impatience for an answer. Thursday. I have the following answer. Dearest Madam, I am utterly confounded, and must plead guilty to all your just reproaches. I wish I were master of all but half your caution and discretion. I hope, after all, this is only a touch of this ill woman's temper to show her power and importance, for I think Mr. B. neither can nor dare deceive me in so black a manner. I would expose him all the world over if he did. But it is not, cannot be in him. I have received a letter from John Arnold, in which he tells me that his master is preparing for his London journey and believes, afterwards, he will come into these parts. But he says Lady Davers is at their house, and is to accompany her brother to London, or meet him there, he knows not which. He professes great zeal and affection to your service, and I find he refers to a letter he sent me before, but which has not come to my hand. I think there can be no treachery, for it is a particular friend at Gainsborough, that I have ordered him to direct to, and this has come safe to my hands by this means, for well I know I durst trust nothing to Brett at the post-house here. This gives me a little pain, but I hope all will end well, and we shall soon hear if it be necessary to pursue our former intentions. If it be, I will lose no time to provide a horse for you, and another for myself for I can never do either God or myself better service, though I were to forgo all my expectations for it here. I am your most faithful, humble servant. I was too free indeed with Mrs. Jukes, led to it by her dissimulation, and by her pretended concern to make me happy with you. I hinted that I would not have scrupled to have procured your deliverance by any means, and that I had proposed to you, as the only honorable one, marriage with me. But I assured her, though she would hardly believe me, that you discouraged my application, which is too true. But not a word of the back-door key, etc. Mrs. Jukes continues still sullen and ill-natured, and I am almost afraid to speak to her. She watches me as close as ever, and pretends to wonder why I shun her company as I do. I have just put under the tiles these lines inspired by my fears, which are indeed very strong, and I doubt not without reason. Sir, 
everything gives me additional disturbance. The missed letter of John Arnold's makes me suspect a plot. Yet I am loath to think myself of so much importance as to suppose everyone in a plot against me. Are you sure, however, the London journey is not to be a Lincolnshire one? May not John, who has been once a traitor, be so again? Why need I be thus in doubt? If I could have this horse, I would turn the reins on his neck, and trust to Providence to guide him for my safeguard. For I would not endanger you, now just upon the edge of your preferment. Yet, sir, I fear your fatal openness will make you suspected as accessory. Let us be ever so cautious. Were my life in question, instead of my honesty, I would not wish to involve you, or anybody, in the least difficulty, for so worthless a poor creature. But, oh, sir, my soul is of equal importance with the soul of a princess, though my quality is inferior to that of the meanest slave. Save, then, my innocence, good heaven, and preserve my mind spotless. And happy shall I be to lay down my worthless life, and see an end to all my troubles and anxieties. Forgive my impatience, but my presaging mind bodes horrid mischiefs. Everything looks dark around me, in this woman's impenetrable sullenness and silence, without any apparent reason, from a conduct so very contrary, bid me fear the worst. Blame me, sir, if you think me wrong, and let me have your advice what to do, which will oblige your most afflicted servant. FRIDAY I have this half-angry answer, but what is more to me than all the letters in the world could be yours, my dear father, enclosed. MADAM, I think you are too apprehensive by much. I am sorry for your uneasiness. You may depend upon me in all I can do. But I make no doubt of the London journey, nor of John's contrition and fidelity. I have just received from my Gainsborough friend this letter, as I suppose, from your good father, in a cover directed for me, as I had desired. I hope it contains nothing to add to your uneasiness. Pray, dearest madam, lay aside your fears, and wait a few days for the issue of Mrs. Jukes' letter, and mine of thanks to Mr. B. Things, I hope, must be better than you expect. Providence will not desert such piety and innocence, and be this your comfort and reliance, which is the best advice that can be at present given by your most faithful, humble servant. Nota bene. The father's letter was as follows. My dearest daughter, our prayers are at length heard, and we are overwhelmed with joy. Oh, what sufferings, what trials hast thou gone through! Blessed be the divine goodness which has enabled thee to withstand so many temptations. We have not yet had leisure to read through your long accounts of all your hardships. I say long, because I wonder how you could find time and opportunity for them. But otherwise they are the delight of our spare hours, and we shall read them over and over, as long as we live, with thankfulness to God, who has given us so virtuous and so discreet a daughter. How happy is our lot in the midst of our poverty! Oh, let none ever think children a burden to them! 
when the poorest circumstances can produce so much riches in a Pamela. Persist, my dear daughter, in the same excellent course, and we shall not envy the highest estate, but defy them to produce such a daughter as ours. I said we had not read through all yours in course. We were too impatient, and so turned to the end, where we could find your virtue within view of its reward, and your master's heart turned to see the folly of his ways in the injury he had intended to our dear child. For, to be sure, my dear, he would have ruined you if he could. But seeing your virtue, his heart is touched, and he has, no doubt, been awakened by your good example. We don't see that you can do any way so well as to come to the present proposal and make Mr. Williams, the worthy Mr. Williams, God bless him, happy. And though we are poor and can add no merit, no reputation, no fortune to our dear child, but rather must be a disgrace to her, as the world will think, yet I hope I do not sin in my pride to say that there is no good man of a common degree, especially as your late lady's kindness gave you such good opportunities which you have had the grace to improve, but may think himself happy in you. But, as you say, you had rather not marry at present, far be it from us to offer violence to your inclination. So much prudence, if you have shown in all your conduct, would make it very wrong in us to mistrust in this, or to offer to direct you in your choice. But, alas, my child, what can we do for you, to partake our hard lot, and involve yourself into as hard a life, would not help us, but add to your afflictions. But it will be time enough to talk of these things, when we have the pleasure you now put us in hope of, of seeing you with us, which God grant. Amen, amen, say, your most indulgent parents. Amen. Our humblest service and thanks to the worthy Mr. Williams, again we say, God bless him for ever. Oh, what a deal we have to say to you! God give us a happy meeting. We understand the squire is setting out for London. He is a fine gentleman, and has wit at will. I wish he was as good, but I hope he will now reform. Oh, what inexpressible comfort, my dear father, has your letter given me! You ask, what could you do for me? What is it you cannot do for your child? You can give her the advice she has so much wanted, and still wants, and will always want. You can confirm her in the paths of virtue, into which you first initiated her. And you can pray for her, with hearts so sincere and pure, that are not to be met with in palaces. Oh, how I long to throw myself at your feet, and receive from your own lips the blessings of such good parents. But, alas! How are my prospects again overclouded to what they were when I closed my last parcel? More trials, more dangers, I fear, must your poor Pamela be engaged in. But through the divine goodness and your prayers, I hope at last to get well out of all my difficulties, and the rather, as they are not the effect of my own vanity or presumption. But I will proceed with my hopeless story. 
I saw Mr. Williams was a little nettled at my impatience, and so I wrote to assure him I would be as easy as I could and wholly directed by him, especially as my father, whose respects I mentioned, had assured me my master was setting out for London, which he must have somehow from his own family, or he would not have written me word of it. SATURDAY, SUNDAY Mr. Williams has been here both these days as usual, but is very indifferently received still by Mrs. Jukes, and, to avoid suspicion, I left them together, and went up to my closet most of the time he was here. He and she, I found by her, had a quarrel, and she seems quite out of humor with him, but I thought it best not to say anything. And, he said, he would very little trouble the house till he had an answer to his letter from Mr. B. And she returned, The less, the better. Poor man, he has got but little by his openness, making Mrs. Jukes his confidant, as she bragged, and would have had me to do likewise. I am more and more satisfied there is mischief brewing, and shall begin to hide my papers, and be circumspect. She seems mighty impatient for an answer to her letter to my master. End of section 11